0: Hello everyone, my name is Naomi Williams and welcome to Dawning Diabetes Podcast where we talk about type 1 diabetes, other autoimmune disorders and healthy living. Hey y'all, so last week I introduced healthy carbs and this week I want to talk fitness. I will talk about carbohydrates next time, no worries, but today we have Crystal Oram, who is a professional athletic trainer and also a type 1 diabetic who will give us tips on how to get started with our workout routine. She has pretty good tips for T1Ds and everyone. So if you're planning to get fit and exercise this upcoming springtime, or maybe you've got a head start on your workout routine, good for you, because she is going to give everyone just some good tips on how to get started. Um, Just a side note, Crystal Oren will talk about IOB, which means insulin on board. Type 1 diabetics like me who wear an insulin pump have a phone device that connects to the insulin pump via Bluetooth. After we give ourselves insulin with the phone device, which is called bolus, Our phone device shows us how much insulin is left in our bloodstream. When you hear her speak about this, you will know what IOB means and all that jazz. So if you're wondering what is IOB? What is that? This is a new term for me. It just means insulin on board. Please do not take any information or stories shared on this podcast as medical advice. Please consult with your doctor or medical professional before changing your health plan. Here is the interview with our special guest, Crystal Oram. Today, we have our guest, um, Crystal Oram. She is a personal fitness trainer, author of Fit With Diabetes, and co-founder of Diabetes Strong website. Welcome, Crystal, to today's show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Really appreciate it.
0: No problem. So you have been a type 1 diabetic since 1997. So Mm -hmm. what are some ways you manage your type 1 diabetes and personal fitness?
1: Uh, I would say it took me a while to figure that one out. So I'm going, I'm coming up on 23 years uh, in December of 2020 will be 23 years, um, so I would say it's been a it's been a journey. <laughs> I think as it is for most of us living in Taiwan. Right. So when I got really into fitness, that was not until 2014, a few years ago, uh, four four years ago, and I got really into fitness and I started competing in fitness competitions. So that was like in the bodybuilding competitions, and that's when I realized how complicated it is. I've always been active, but I kind of like just. My doctor gave me a pamphlet back in the day, just said, eat 15 grams of carbs. That's <laughs> super detailed, right? right. So, but I kind of went with just that. So I had like a package, or, you know, a handful of raisins or whatever before workouts. And that would work sometimes. It wouldn't work other times. Most of the time, I would go high. I did a lot of boxing back in the day, and that was kind of like more cardiovascular. So it kind of worked, but it kind of didn't. So in 2014, when I got really into fitness, really realizing how complex it was, I also, um decided to figure it out you know and i am a very structured person that's just how my brain works which is beneficial when it comes to diabetes i find um but i i kind of went online you know thinking i'm just gonna google this and all the results gonna come here and i'm gonna have a framework and i'm gonna go implement and it was just like crickets basically i was like okay so there's not a lot of information out there readily available there was some about like endurance sports like marathons how to manage Mm -hmm. lectures or marathons i don't run So it's like, this is not applicable for me. Um, So that I started to figure it out myself. And it started out with just noting down everything I was doing, different kind of workouts, different time of day. What was I eating? What was my IOB active insulin board, which I've found to be like the most important thing when it comes to managing blood sugars during exercise and after for that matter. And all of that I pulled together in what I call kind of like finding your formula for diabetes. And actually that uh, sheet that I used, I have fine-tuned it, let's say like that, and it's readily it's available for free on my website. So people just go on there and type in formula.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: article will show up. And that's exactly the method that I used back then. and I still use myself and with my clients in the sense that what pieces of data is important, and I kind of already gave it away <laughs> in order to manage your your diabetes while exercise. It's predominantly how much insulin you have on board. So that's what I adjust. I know which kind of workouts will make my blood sugars go up. I know which kind of blood sugars, uh, what kind of workouts will generally make my blood sugars drop. And then I adjust my IOB based on what kind of workout I'm doing. Um, and also what time of day. <laughs> right. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but for me, it's been a question of, you know, I don't have to do the same thing all the time, but initially to figure things out. Or what I always say is like reduce the amount of variables. So that means, for example, start out by doing one type of workout in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you have time in the morning and see how your blood sugars react and then adju- adapt, adapt a strategy based on what you find. It's not going to work 100% of the time because this is diabetes. diabetes right. It's
0: like a trial and
1: error all the time. Yeah, it is. But it's I find that if it's structured trial and error, it's, it's doable. Mm hmm. If you just like if you don't take notes and if you just, you know, do 17 different things and everything is new, then you're never going to see trends because it's going to be like orange, apples and oranges, like comparing weird data. Right. Structure, trial and error. <laughs> OK. And then just implementing that. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's a good tip. So pretty much just looking at your pump and the IOB on board if you have a pump and just kind of adjusting your insulin based on that pretty much.
1: Yeah, I would say there's two things you can do, right? You can do what I did in the beginning, you can eat more carbohydrates if you tend to go low, or you can adjust your IOB. You might want to work with your medical professional to do that if you're not comfortable doing that yourself, but there's two things. If you're in a pump. So I don't I use a insulin pens, so I'm what's called MDI, multiple daily injections, right? But if you're in a pump, on the screen it'll say IOB. That's an active insulin board from your Boluses and corrections. It does not tell you how much active insulin you have from your basal, which is a key component that most people for not forget, because most people don't think about it because they've never been told to think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? But let's say that you have a unit dripping an hour as your basal insulin. So that means that over four hours you'll be getting like four units of insulin. That means that, assuming that insulin is active about four hours, you have about one, I think it's is it one and a half? my mouth is off right now, one and a half active unit just from basal at all time, right? So you have to think about that as well. And a lot of people are not really taught. They're told to, well, you want to adjust your IB, just turn off your pump before you start your workout. Yeah. I'm like, that's too late, right? Mm-hmm. Because that means that all the insulin that's been delivered through your basal for the four hours before your workout are going to hit you like a hammer once you start your workout. So you might have to think a little further back. So you're like, Okay, maybe I need to do a suspension or a temp basil an hour before my workout, or maybe even two hours before, depending on how sensitive you are to insulin, right? Um, so that's a pump side. As for MDI, which again, is what I do. Um, so I use a smart pen, mm-hmm. which I know not everyone has access to, but I use something called an in-pen, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. Basically, it has all the functionalities of a pump, except for actually delivering, you know, <laughs> continuously as a pump does. Oh. So, it, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it will send my, whenever I take an injection, it will automatically send that to the app and it keeps track of my IOB. So, really? it's a pen. It's a pen. But it has, okay. it's hooked up to an app that mm-hmm. has a bolus calculator, which is the same that most people have in their pumps. So, that means so you go in and say, okay, I'm eating X amount of carbs, my blood sugar is this. How much insulin should I take? It does all the math for you, et cetera, also for corrections. So all of that goes on in the pump. So the only difference uh, in the app, sorry, the only real difference between a pump and that is that you have to do the manual injection. Right. You, know, you can't just click a button and it delivers. Um, but I find that to be brilliant. Um, and the thing is that it's only really, in my experience, rapid-acting insulin, like your or or your, your noble lock, that gets really impacted by exercise. Whereas a basal, so a long-acting insulin, so as an MDI, we take a long-acting insulin as well, right? Right. Those don't really get impacted by exercise the same. So often people go like, well, how can you exercise so much with, without wearing a pump? And I'm like, actually, for me, it's easier. That's right, a pump. That was a nightmare.
0: Right. <laughs> because, yeah. Because,
1: I, yeah, I had rapid-acting insulin going 24-7. And I was like, this is a nightmare to manage because I had to do 10 basals. But, of course, it can be done. That's more of a temperament thing, I think
0: yeah it's like people's preference like some people prefer totally. the pump some people prefer the pin some people may prefer shots because they can't afford a lot of other things yeah. um, and then other people may use the smart pin which is interesting i never heard of the smart pin before but how can someone um get like information on the smart the smart pin if they're interested uh yeah it's a
1: relatively new device i think it's been on the it's only in the us right now but they are working to go global. Uh, it's manufactured by companies called Companion Medical. But if you just search on INPEN, I-N-P-E-N it should go, show up. And it's covered by insurance. I think through most commercial insurance, it's like 30 bucks. So it's not like an insulin pump that's in the thousands, it's, in, wow. like, it's a little different price point. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, that is good to know. Um, that is really good to know. So yeah, I should for, totally be getting
1: commissions here.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, so um, for people whose new resolution for 2021 is to start mm-hmm. working out more, how should they get started? I know you mentioned um, some ways they could get started um, with what you do in your daily life, but what are some other ways they could get started? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think it's a twofold answer in the sense that, um, well, one thing is as a person, you know, how do you get started with exercise, right? Uh, Not necessarily diabetes, but just as a human being, how do we get into it? How do we stick with it, right? So, one of the things I often talk about is, well, I think it's important, first of all, to set realistic goals and actually sit down and think about why is it I wanna, let's say I wanna get more active, why is it that I wanna get more active? I always recommend really focusing on positive motivation. Positive motivation is, well, when I move, it makes me feel really good. When I move, my blood sugars behave <laughs> a little more, you know, nicely. Or when I do it, I just, I feel happy, right? That's all positive motivation. We are really good as humans to find negative motivation. It's like, uh, you know, yeah, all that negativity <laughs> I have to do this or people, will think I'm lazy or I have to do this or uh, I'll have like diabetes complications or whatever. All those negative motivations, those might be good to get you started, but they, they won't make you stick with things. Positive motivation can make you stick with new habits as you develop them. So let's say, again, it's exercise and you might live in a place that's where it's snowing or raining and you go out in the morning and you have a, say, a 1K plan or a one mile run and you're looking out the window, it's raining. The negative motivation is not going to get you out there. Positive motivation might, right? Yeah. So there's, so there's that. So that's just one of the things. And also setting goals, setting small goals. If you're not used to moving, don't set a goal of running a marathon in a month because you're setting yourself up for failure, right? So small, achievable goals. If you're completely new to exercise, it might be, you know, this week, I'm going to move three times a week. And I say move because everything counts. Right. So let's say we're going to move three times a week. What I always tell people is schedule that on your calendar. You know, put it on your calendar, if you're a calendar person or put it on your list, if you're a list person saying, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to move for 20 minutes. And then find a movement that you enjoy. Maybe that's dancing. Maybe that's jump rope. Maybe that's running uh, or maybe it's weightlifting. Right. So find something that you enjoy and you're going to keep doing it. And from diabetes perspective, it's kind of like what we talked about. I really recommend taking detailed notes, figuring out how your blood sugar reacts to different kinds of exercise so that you don't have to deal with higher lows all the time because that's
0: frustrating. Right. Yeah, definitely can be Um, managing your type one diabetes, but also trying to stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, So what do you recommend? Um, Because you mentioned um, just taking notes, adjusting your basal rate as needed, your IOB, making sure that is good. So what do you recommend for people who are trying to get their A1C down, like me, mm-hmm. um, trying to get into like the sixes, you know, trying to get out of the the sevens? Um, what do you recommend? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, hopefully your medical team can support you. <laughs> but I do, rec- I, the people I work with, who are, And I'm not a medical professional, so I always say I'm the support outside of the endo office. But what I see is the people who are the most successful in reaching their diabetes goals are the ones who take lead on their diabetes management. That means don't necessarily wait three months to see your doctor, have your doctor adjust your basal rates, and you go home and you do whatever you do for three months, and then you come back. I I Work with people who's like, I oh, yeah, go low every night and I've gone low every night for two months. I'm like, that's not acceptable. You need to take the lead on your care. If you see that you, for example, go low or high, I mean, if you want your A1C down, you're most likely going high. Uh, you go high at a certain time. If you're not comfortable adjusting your insulin yourself, then that's when you take down your notes and you write your doctor and say, hey, doctor, endo person, I've noticed that every day at 5 p.m., to 7pm, my blood sugar skyrocket, I'm just making an example here, my blood sugar skyrocket, I'm thinking I might need to increase my baseline, I might increase my bolus for my food. What do you think? That would be one way of doing it, for example. Um, I think, so being proactive in your care, not just sitting around waiting three to four months to see your endo and have them do something random, because they're not there every day with you, right? You're there, you know your body, you know what's going on. And especially if you're wearing a CGM, you can... I recommend you download it at least once a month, maybe two weeks every week, and look at your trends and see, you know, do you see any trends? And if you don't, but you don't feel well, just send it over to your endo, right? Or whoever is taking care of your care. Exercise, let's talk about that, (laughs) can also be a great way to help you lower your blood sugars in the sense that. In its pure sense, there's two types of exercise, right? There's aerobic training and anaerobic training. Aerobic training is where your heart rate comes up, kind of stays up, and then it comes down when you're done. That kind of exercise, like a brisk walk, a light jog, bike ride, something like that, will generally make blood sugars come down while you do the activity. And then there's anaerobic training, which your heart rate comes really high up and then comes down really high up. So it's more like sprint training, resistance training, that type of exercise. That type of exercise can actually make your blood sugars go up during. But the cool thing about it is it can make your blood sugars, well, it can increase your insulin sensitivity for quite a while. Some people up to 24 to 48 hours after. And overall, building your muscle mass, and you don't have to become Arnold, just building up muscle mass can improve your insulin sensitivity over time. So I always call that like resistance training sort of the, the golden ticket. To improving insulin sensitivity without taking more drugs medication i'm all for medication but what those type of exercise do is that they improve the way that our bodies use insulin that we inject so i think exercise can be a brilliant way brilliant addition to your insulin regime in order to get your a one c to where you want it
0: okay what about yeah, yeah. Um, food? Um, what do you recommend when it comes to food? Um, someone who wants to go on a low-carb diet, what do you recommend? Um,
1: my, my perspective on food, and I'm not a nutritionist, um, so I'm usually sort of a little careful what, what kind of advice I give. But my, my approach is that you need to find the diet that's right for you. That can be low carb, that can be keto for that matter. It can also be high carb. There's some people who do really, really well on a high carb diet. And that's completely cool. Find out what works for you, but also be be sure that when you try something out, and I always give an example for me, I tried out keto less than a month and everything was just awful. <laughs> it did not work on my body whatsoever. <laughs> oh, wow. It was awful. Oh, my goodness. It was awful. Dude, I, I gained weight, which was not the goal at that point. I... My digestive system completely stopped because of a lot of fiber, um, and my insulin sensitivity tanked. I've never been so insulin resistant as I was when I was eating a really, really high, uh, high, fat diet. So it right. did not work for my body. Now, even my endo was like, "Can you please stop?" So, I did. You know, I cut my losses. Like, okay, this is not for me. Moving on, I'm doing something else. Um, I think if you want to start a new type of diet, so it, let's say that you've been eating like medium to high carb, and you want to go low carb, just do it in increments. Mm-hmm. and Make sure, again, if you have a CGM, that's your friend. If you have a meter, oh, everybody should have a meter so you can measure your blood sugars, right? Yes, make sure, Yeah, make sure to maybe opt the amount of finger sticks that you do. Just so you, again, it's not judgment, it's just data, right? We need to just look at it as data. So when you start something new whether or not it's a new diet or a new type of exercise, use your meter to see how your blood sugars react Adjust your care and don't be afraid to cut your losses. If something doesn't work for you, that's okay. It might work for your neighbor, it might work for your mom, that's fine. But if it's not working for you, it's not working for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. Um, just find what's right for you. Definitely. So, our last question is What is diabetes strong and how does your website help T1Ds and people in general? Thank you. That's I love that question. Uh, so Diabetes
1: Strong was started. Actually, I kind of told you about it a little bit earlier. I said in two thousand fourteen I started competing, and I couldn't find the information about how to do exercise and type one diabetes in an effective, safe way. So I started to document everything. I started to write. So I started to list a little blog where I started writing about my experience, and my husband and I were kind of looking at it at that point before we I worked in the medical device industry um and he was doing something else and we were kind of looking at it, go like hey if i can't find the information other people probably can't either and it kind of took off and I, we had a lot of search um to our website and it was like you know what there's something here there's an unmet need that for some weird reason nobody is providing people living diabetes information about exercise nutrition and general health so that's how diabetes strong came to be it is now way more than just my experience actually a lot of the articles are no, no longer written by me they're written by other people living with diabetes but it is um i see it as it's information and it's free information because i don't want there to be any barrier to information okay so it's everything health exercise nutrition for anyone living with diabetes not just type 1 it's also type 2 type 1.5 it's everything I think it's so important and I really believe that there's nothing we can't do with diabetes but it requires three things. It requires a bit access to well insulin devices. It requires that we have the right mindset and requires that we have the knowledge to actually do something with all of this. Right? So we want to be with Diabetes Strong my husband and I want to be part of the knowledge pillar. So I think that's that's what it is. <laughs> and yeah. Even if people want something more. So a website is a website. And so you go there, you search for information, you read it, and then move on, right? But what we also did was we established something called the Diabetes Strong Community, which is a closed Facebook group where people are welcome to go. That's the peer support part of our community. Um, So we have 20-something thousand people in that group. So it's a big group. Wow. And it is all types of diabetes. And I would say you don't have to go through life with diabetes alone. You can choose to but you don't have to because we have groups like that where you can meet others and you can just, sometimes it's just nice to go somewhere and say, hey, I keep going low when I vacuum, is it only me? And everybody be like, no, it's not just you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. it's a universal yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to have those conversations.
0: Yes, it is. Definitely good to have like community and stuff. So yeah. Thank you so much um, for doing this interview today. I really appreciate it um, for you taking the time out to do this, so thank you. You bet, thank you for having me on, it's a pleasure. No problem. All right, y'all, so I learned from Crystal Oram about a way to manage my blood sugar before or after working out so she mentioned for type 1 diabetics that for us we can use tools if you are wearing an insulin pump to manage your blood sugars during your workout so she mentioned iob of course and then she also mentioned extended bolus so i personally use extended bolus before i work out and it has helped me when i reduce my basal rate by 45 to 50% or that works for me but it differs for every type 1 diabetic and how that fitness that exercise affects your blood sugar definitely touch base with your doctor if you don't know how to use extended bolus and don't feel bad for those of you who are type 1 diabetics like me Um, because it took me a while to figure out extended bolus because I wear an Omnipod and I have a PDM. So it was hard figuring out how to calculate it, but I just kept practicing until I figured out a safe way for me to use extended bolus. So yeah, definitely touch base with your doctor, but that is a tool you can use before you start working out. I like when she said, have a fitness routine that you love to do. For me, I love to dance, walk, and bike ride when I exercise. So what are some fun ways that you can work out and have a routine that doesn't feel forced? She also mentioned keep a structure trial and error. And this applies to working out, managing blood sugars, and health. Hopefully you guys fingers crossed we will have a nutritionist or dietitian come on the show to share some more information on complex carbohydrates and the health benefit of this because I want to learn more information too. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview like I did and next week we will continue talking about carbohydrates part two. This has been Naomi Williams with Dawning Diabetes. Thanks for listening today. Tune in for next week's episode. Episodes are posted every Thursday. If you haven't already, check out more episodes. Check out the Dawning Diabetes Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages where you can join the community and find more content. Please subscribe and download. See ya.